Uh, one, Psalm 139 is the text this evening. Psalm 139. So if you turn there with me, Psalm 139. Pray for Mrs. Lejeune. She's uh, recovering from that uh, LASIK eye surgery. Pastor said she was doing a little better this afternoon, but it takes time for the irritation of the process to, to wear off. And uh, so continue to praying for her, please. I know that she would have loved to have been here to see Crazy George this morning. I'll tell you. That's a... Lynn said, you made that up, didn't you? I said, yeah, I did, but I think it's going to stick. <laughs> okay. Crazy George. Uh, but uh, that was uh, that was that was spectacular. I really like that. And so, uh, I'm, if, ladies, if you're not excited about that latest banquet, there's something wrong with you. And if guys, if you wouldn't be willing to put on a skirt and come to that banquet, no, if you're willing to do that, there's something wrong with you. No, that's Psalm 139 is where we're at for the text. Psalm 139, and uh, we're going to read the uh, first 12 verses together. And then uh, the message tonight is an interesting title, at least as far as I'm concerned, Night Goggles. Psalm 139. O Lord, Thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my down-sitting and mine uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. Thou compassest my path and my lying down, and art acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but, but lo, O Lord, Thou knowest it altogether. Thou hast beset me behind and before, and laid thine hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain unto it. Whither shall I go from thy spirit, or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell or the grave, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, Surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would make my thoughts and my words clear. May they represent, may they be the words that you'd have me to speak tonight. I pray that those that hear the message and read these scriptures would consider how they can be applied to each individual life and appreciate the many blessings of having you close at hand, you at our side, our companion. And Lord, we might also consider what having you at our side means in those times when we consider sin, in those times when we consider rebellion. Lord, may we always choose to follow you. I pray that you'd guide each person tonight as this first day of the week becomes the second day tomorrow, that they would live during the week as they would today. In Jesus' name, amen. In those first several verses, in the first several verses of this psalm, we have uh, David talking to us about what we might consider blessings. Now, I teach a Bible doctrines class to freshmen at New England Baptist College. That's a privilege. Young minds, eager minds, trying to learn things from the Scriptures. And uh, this passage, or this text, is sometimes used 
as an evidence of the omnipresence of God. Because of this verse, verse 8, If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. And I realize that that teaches that no matter where we go, God is present. And that's, that's a, in a sense, an impersonal fact. We can apply it to our life, but in itself it's impersonal. Wherever we go, God's there. He's at the extreme of the universe. He's close at hand. He's on every continent. He's everywhere. And sometimes, when we know that a Scripture passage has in its midst a familiar verse or a key thought, it's possible that each time we go to the passage and we read through it, that's the thought that we focus on. We just know it's there ahead of time. John chapter 3. If I were to ask you what verse comes to mind from John chapter 3, well, there are a variety of verses, but I would say a number in this room would say, well, John 3.16. Or maybe John 3.6, marvel not that I say unto thee, you must be born again, but as we get into the middle of that chapter, all of it is from the Word, all of it is God's Word, all of it is inspired, but we tend to fasten on one or two thoughts in a passage, and each time we go through that, there it is again. So we skim through and read, and now we're at Psalm 140, and etc. Well, I was reading this passage recently, a few months ago, and something struck me quite differently, which I'll not get to yet, but it brought my attention back to say, wait, let's look at the whole thing, at least for this message at the first 12 verses, not just the 8th verse. Let's look at the whole thing, and not just fasten on that thing I already know, but I realized that in the early verses, we have, in fact, we have a list of blessings. Blessings. Not just a statement of God's presence, but a statement of what God is doing for us as believers. What the Lord provides for us as Christians. And I thought of it this way. First, I thought, as a child, as a child... It was comforting, it was wonderfully nice to have parents close by. And if there are younger children here this evening, sometimes in our life as a child, maybe it's a, your own children or maybe it's a grandchild, they get separated for just a little bit. Separated by some distance in a crowd where there's no eye contact. And that child turns back and looks and Mom isn't there. There was a lot of comfort when Mom was there. Where did she go now? And I would say if I were to have a show of hands, probably every one of us, who's over 30 at least, has been in a supermarket when a child got separated from a parent, and you could hear that child, Mommy! 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 It's comforting to have mom or dad close at hand. That's a blessing. And I notice in the verses, for example, verse number 2, Thou knowest my down-sitting and mine uprising. For mom and dad, or for mom or dad, to know when we're getting up, and to know when we're going down. To have mom tuck us in at bedtime. To wake us in the morning and greet us. 
to have coffee ready for that four-year-old. Oh, no, I'm sorry. That's, the coffee's for me. Okay. But, but to prepare the day for us, that's a comfort. That's a blessing. And David is saying, God is intimately familiar with our schedule. God knows when we need the rest, and he knows when it's time to arise, and he's there with us. In verse number 3, it says, Thou compassed my path and my lying down, and art acquainted with all my ways. When I am lying down, and I am asleep, God's circling me. God's circling me. Does that remind you of protection? You know, the children learn a little, a, a little poem, a little verse. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. Doesn't that express the fact that a child has security when they know that mom and dad are moving about, but when they know that the Lord is protecting them? I may be in my 70s, but I like that security, just like a child. And sometimes we overlook that. A blessing that comes because we've been adopted into God's family, to be, to be protected as his own child. And believe me, there are many enemies that would attack us if the Lord allowed it. If he wasn't there with his protective hand, if he wasn't there to make sure that the devil did not destroy us, there'd be many more who'd perish. But God protects. And David is appreciative of that. David is, is aware and is thanking the Lord, expressing that thanks, expressing that knowledge. Then we come to verse 4, and it says, For there is not a word in my tongue, but, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. You listen whenever I speak. You listen whenever I speak. Just like I listen to Lynn whenever she speaks. Don't I, Lynn? Right, right. How many husbands know that once in a while you get caught? you got to raise your hand on this one. Once in a while you get caught. You know, your wife says, there's a, there's, a big, there's a big green tank out in front of the house and he's about to blow the bedroom away. And we say, yeah, okay, yeah. What, what, what did you say? Okay, no. God hears what we say. God knows what we speak. And I think it's more than what we say with our lips, don't you, Pastor? It's what we think with our heart. It's what we say with our heart. He knows the times when we call out in confusion and we need clarity. He knows the times when we call out even in fear. Oh, Pastor, you know the Bible says that God is not the author of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. Yes, I know that. But I also know that we Christians are flawed. We can be overcome. We can be anxious. Be careful for nothing, but we can be anxious. And the Lord is there. And when our heart speaks and calls out, Help me! David's reminding us that God is listening. How he helps is his decision. It's always for our welfare, but he is listening. He doesn't have a deaf ear. Verse 5, Thou hast beset me behind and before and laid thine hand upon me. Laid thine hand upon me. 
How many times have you been have you been assured you've been comforted just by the touch of someone's hand? Just that someone put their hand on your shoulder or just that someone took your hand, a husband or wife simply reached out and took your hand. And that's what you needed. Because at that moment, you felt very alone. At that moment, you felt very overwhelmed. And then, that gentle touch. The touch of a dad or mom on the shoulder, or perhaps the very top of the head of one of their little ones. And they just look around, and all the world is right, because they're there. They're within arm's length, and the touch is so sweet. And the scripture here, in verse 5, laid thine hand upon me. I picture that that's what David's thinking. He's been through a lot of hard times, some of which was his own making, or had the genesis in his own mistakes and sins. But he's been through a lot of hard times that he didn't cause. He was a faithful and lawyer, uh, a loyal soldier. And the king turned against him and attempted to take his life. He was a, he was a king whose, whose desire was always for the good of Israel as a monarch. And yet his son rose up in rebellion against him. He had to flee his own capital. David's had hard times in life. But to say that God had laid his hand upon me, it's a very personal, it's a very intimate thing. We don't let just anyone touch us. But the touch, the right touch from the right person at the right moment can be all the difference in the world. So we have these blessings because we're a Christian. Blessings that we can anticipate. Blessings that should not surprise us, but we don't deserve them. It's not that they're automatic. It's not that, God, you have to do this. No, I'm just saying the fact that the Lord is that close and that personal the fact that the Lord hears us, surrounds us, protects us, knows when we get up, knows when we get, go down, knows everything about us, should be a wonderful, a wonderful spiritual blessing. You always have a hand to guide you when we stray. Verse 10, Even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. A hand of guidance when we don't know the path. The hand that says, come with me, darkness lies ahead, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. A hand extended that guides us and leads us. And so we're not stationary, we're moving forward. And Christian, I remind you, forward in our life is always toward heaven. Always. And so these blessings, verses that for me at least, had come to be, oh yeah, verse 8. I teach that in class. It's uh, omnipresence. Oh, that's a familiar one. When you slow down and look, you say, wow. David expressed these very personal reactions to what God does for us each and every day. But I ask another question. When we were the youngest, those things were wonderful from our parents. If I can use parents as the parallel, parents as the relationship that we can picture, sometimes easier than the spiritual relationship with our God and Savior, 
How old were you when you first began to think it was better to be alone in darkness than to have your parents hovering over you? When you first thought, my parents, they're always in the way. Oh, if only they'd leave me alone. My parents, oh, they're always trying to interfere. My parents. Now that'd be maybe momentary, and I think that probably most of us could say there have been times like that. Uh, I'm old enough now to have forgotten a lot of those times as a teenager, but there's still too many that I can't number them. When I thought, my parents are just, they're too controlling. They're too strict. I grew up in a home that was not Christian, but it was moral. They're too strict. They want to know where I am. They want to know who I'm with. Can you imagine that? If there were cell phones, they would have wanted to know who I was texting. Parents. And there comes an age when sometimes, sometimes we think it would be better, my phrase that I wrote was, to be alone in the darkness than to have our parents hovering over us in the light. When we first deceived by the world, the flesh and the devil, to believe that we were missing some great fun because mom and dad were too strict. Some great fun. You know, I did not grow up in a Christian home. I grew up in a home where I knew that my parents loved me. I grew up in a home where right was right and wrong was wrong. Wasn't perfect. I wasn't perfect. But those concepts, the old traditional concepts, were strong. I grew up like that. But you know, as I got older, I got so smart that I thought I was smarter than my parents. So smart that I didn't see why I couldn't drink alcohol and why I couldn't go to parties and why I couldn't. And I wasn't saved. Other kids did. And then in college, all the things that college kids in those days did, and believe me, college in 1964 was not the same as college in 2018. But even so, it was a stretch past my parents. And you began to believe that you could do all these things without consequences. I had to tell that to the judge when he took away my driver's license. Yes, sir. Yes, I understand, sir. Yes, I won't do that again, sir. Say, Pastor Brown. If I'd listened to my parents, I wouldn't be losing my license at that age, right? But I was smarter. I knew more. You know, I don't know how old you are when you thought, perhaps... And it might be that it's next year. It might be that it's two years from now when you just begin to think, Mom and Dad, oh, such a wet blanket. Is that still a phrase that's used? I don't know. I'm so old. <laughs> such a wet blanket. Always, always, you know, killing the fun. I'm sure there were folks in Israel that thought that Jehovah God was killing the fun. And remember, David went through that season of life when he saw Bathsheba. And he yielded to temptation. And he thought he knew better than God. 
And he figured out that he could solve the problem by having Uriah killed. And it didn't help. It only hurt. In verse 11, it talks about, If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. That's that stage in life when we say, I can hide it. God won't know it. I still remember in high school, a prom was coming up. Yep, high school prom. And I asked a friend if he was going. Not as my date now. You've got to get that straight. You have to be so careful today. You do. I asked a friend, are you going to ask a girl, are you going? And he said, no, no. And, and he went to a, uh, he went to a, a, a church that, that said that dancing was sin. I went to a church as a teenager that said the resurrection was a myth. So kind of different churches, liberal church. He went to a very conservative church. And it's very possible the gospel was being preached there. I didn't know much about that at the time. But his answer about the prom was, oh, I can't go. My pastor preaches against that. Does not compute. You know, what? What? No, I can't go. Well, my mom and dad won't let me. No, no, no. And I thought, that is really odd. But it didn't bother me, so I was planning to go to the prom. And then a few days later, a few days later, he came up to me and he said, I'm going to the prom. I'm going. Really? Yeah, I'm going to ask so-and-so. I said, I thought your pastor said that was wrong. And he said, my mom said, just don't let the pastor know. Surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. said, he thought the darkness would cover. If I can just hide it, it'll be okay. And what happens when our children get older and they become adolescents and teenagers and young adults and young marrieds, and if we think that we can cover our sin in darkness, no one will know, that's a problem. So David gave all these blessings of having God close at hand. And then he relates that one can think I can get away from God, which is where the context of if I ascend into heaven, he's there. If I descend into the grave or hell, he's there. I can't escape God. But why would I want to? Because of all the blessings listed. Why would I want to? And yet we're deceived by the devil and at times, even in our adult lives, no matter how old we are, no matter how many decades have passed in our Christian walk, when we think, I'm going to do this, and God's not going to know. The church isn't going to know. Maybe it's my spouse isn't going to know. Maybe it's my kids won't know. Maybe it's my boss won't know. Maybe it's the pastor won't know. But I'm going to hide it so well that I'm going to enjoy what the world has to offer I'm going to enjoy this deception from the devil. I'm going to enjoy it with no consequences because I can hide it. Do we think that we're so careful that if we let cussing come into our life at work, that as long as I keep it at work, no one will know? If I let a little gambling happen, that as long as it doesn't get big and my name isn't in the paper, it won't hurt anything and no one will know. Have we come to the point where we think that just a one or two cold beers 
on a summer afternoon in the privacy of our home, who's going to know? I know that I know the preacher thinks that drinking alcohol is a is an affront to the body, the temple of the Holy Spirit. I know that the Bible talks about uh, being so careful about alcoholic beverages and strong drink, wine and strong drink. And I know these things, but who's going to know? Just me, my wife, my kids, my neighbors. They don't matter. No one's going to know. So whether it's our language or our drinking or our songs or our off-color jokes or what is it that we think, well, no one's going to know. It's not going to hurt us any. I'll still sing in the choir on Sunday. I'll still work on the bus route on Saturday. I'll still volunteer in the nursery. I'll still teach in the master clubs. I can do that. This is not a big deal. And you know, there'd be many people out in the world that would agree. They'd say, your life is so clean already. What's a few little glitches here and there? And who's to tell you, by the way? Not their business. It's not the business of White Oak Baptist Church. It's not the business of... Actually, I agree, but it is God's business. It is the Holy Spirit's business. And it is your business before God. So David comes down and he says, Whither shall I go from thy spirit, or whither shall I flee from thy presence? Do we think that we can be so careful in those habits that creep up a little at a time, like a vine climbing up a tree until finally the tree is sucked dead. That we think that no one will know and it won't hurt. The reason I began to look at the passage comes on verse 12. Yea, the darkness hideth not from from thee, but the night shineth as the day. And the darkness and the light are both alike to thee. It's an acknowledgement that you can't hide anything from God But the phrase struck me. The phrase struck me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee. And the reason was my grandson Andrew. My grandson Andrew, for those who remember my son Ken, my older of the two boys, now men, my grandson Andrew is 26 He's on active duty in the Philippines right now. He's a Green Beret Special Ops. He served a tour in Afghanistan. He's in the Philippines. Got married in December. We were out in Washington State to be part of that. But he's he's a Green Beret. In Desert Storm, some of you remember way back in Desert Storm, somewhere around, you know, whatever it was, that was before 9-11, the U.S. Army had a new motto, and the motto was this, we own the night. We own the night. The reason being that we had developed night vision equipment, goggles for, for men, night vision equipment for, for vehicles, so that we could pick out, in the blackest of nights it seemed, we could pick out the movement and placement of people. We could see motions. What night vision is really is an amplifier. The smallest amount of light comes into this binocular thing. The smallest amount of light comes in. It's operated with power, with batteries, 
and it amplifies that light so that you're not really seeing the scene, you're seeing a screen which represents the scene. And you can see what's going on in extremely low light. What would be blackness to the naked eye is no longer the naked eye. We own the night. Well, night goggles have come a long way. A few weeks ago, two weeks ago, Pastor Eric Tharp, who did pastor Mountain View Baptist Church in Holyoke, Massachusetts, and now has pastored for several years in California, visited our college and preached in chapel, and I was chatting with him, and his son-in-law is stationed in the state of Washington in the Air Force. And he builds and rebuilds night vision glasses. That's his job. And we were talking about that. Now, you've all seen, I'm sure, if you've seen anything on TV, news clips or dramas of some kind, soldiers with a helmet and this little ocular, this single ocular comes down, night vision. I'm told that you can buy one of those, the quality of those, for about 100 bucks on Amazon. Then you've seen the two that come down like binoculars, and Special Ops uses those, and so do some other units. And they're more expensive. But for those, you still have to move your head because they're binoculars. You may have also seen the quads, four lenses, so you don't move your head, you move your eyes from one to the other, and you can keep moving forward and have peripheral vision. They cost about $60,000 a piece. They're custom ground for the soldier. Night goggles. Night vision goggles. And in the lowest of low light, they can see the targets. Because of my grandson, when I read... Surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Verse 12, Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. I thought, night goggles. God has night goggles. And I'm using that as a metaphor. I know, I'm not, I hope no child thinks that God's up in heaven and he's got these things, you know. But what I'm, What I'm understanding is that God sees through the darkness that we create. That to Him, everything is light. Luke chapter 12, verse 1 says, He began to say to His disciples, first of all, Beware ye of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy, for there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed, nothing hid that shall not be known. Therefore, whatsoever ye have spoken in darkness shall be heard in the light, and that which ye have spoken in the ear in closets shall be proclaimed from the housetops. And I would suggest as Christians, in a Christian world, in a world of Christianity, if we took all the churches that say Christ, Christian, have a cross on the front, we know that some of them are like the one I grew up in, that Reject the deity of Christ, reject being born again, reject heaven and hell. There are some like that, and we can call them liberal. And then there are some that preach the gospel, but basically say, 
blend into the world. Now that you're saved, that's the important thing. And the decisions you make are basically your own. And ask God how to direct you. I'm sure none would say, don't ask God. Ask God how to direct you, but that's kind of up to you. And so your lifestyle may be very similar to all those around you in the world. If you're comfortable with that, fine. That's the message. But I would suggest to you that I don't know what God wants for you, but I do believe that He sees in the dark. And I do believe that He wants us to live as if we're in the light all the time. And that if we think of our Christian life like that, and we don't think of it as, it's my business, no one else is involved, it doesn't matter, what other people don't see doesn't matter to me, all that sort of attitude will evaporate. Because if we understand that like mom and dad when we were five years old, God is right there to have a gentle hand on our shoulder and say, I'm here. And like mom and dad when we're three years old, checking in the bed at night in the midst of the night because they heard us sneeze or cough, walking around the bed making sure everything's okay. Like mom and dad who guided us across the street, made sure we understood the principles of looking both ways, but still held our hand and still walked along with us. That mom and dad who gave us the right things to wear in the rain and the right things to wear in the snow, and in Connecticut that's nine months out of the year. Okay. But they gave us the, that mom and dad in that stage of life, maybe it's a single mom, maybe it's a dad, maybe it's grandparents, but the person that raises that youngster in those early years, if we can imagine, again, how comforting... How wonderful it was to have that security. And then ask ourselves, is that how secure I feel with the Lord, or do I sense a distance? Lord, I want you to answer my prayers about my Sunday school class, but please don't talk to me about my internet conversations. Lord, I want you to bless me as I sing in the choir, but please don't bring up that stuff again about the jokes that I listen to at work. Now, Lord... I want to be effective and bring some children in in the bus ministry. And I want to do that. But please, stop bringing up, stop bringing up the cuss words that I've been using around the guys at the gym. I don't think you can isolate them. To God, He sees it all. And just because it's out of sight to some individuals that may serve with you at White Oak doesn't mean it's out of sight for God. And even if we were among the very few who attempt to actually hide those things by turning out the light and secluding ourselves in the darkness, God's night goggles let Him see it as if it's noonday sun. And for me, that's a help. To know I'm not going to get away with it is actually a help in making the right decision to start with. It's the child that doesn't know how mom and dad's going to react that does things only to find that mom and dad don't care or didn't notice one day 
and did care on another day, but it's worth it's worth perhaps the chance. There's no chance with God. The batteries never run out. The goggles are never lost. He always knows what we're doing. And if we just took those verses and just that third point, we might say, I don't like that. That seems so unfair. It seems like God is always judging me. Don't take just those verses. Look at those first six or seven verses as all the blessings he has if we're doing the right thing. That's what he wants for us. The right things. He's not trying to keep them away. He's trying to encourage us by saying he circles us. He's with us. He touches us. He takes our hand. He's encouraging us. How do we get back if we've been in the darkness? Well, I think we all realize that God is light. I think we all know the message which we have heard of Him, 1 John 1, 5, and declare unto you that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. I think we all know that if we draw nigh unto God, He'll draw nigh unto us. I think we all know if we resist the devil, he'll flee from us. I don't think there's any new lesson here that the way we get back in the light is giving God a big hug. Drawing close to him. Taking taking the conversation that he brings to us, the correction, absorbing it, admitting it, confessing it, and then rejoicing in the forgiveness. Scripture says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. Some have said that's telling us what's right. For reproof, that's telling us what's wrong in our life. For correction, that's how to get it right. For instruction in righteousness, that's how to keep it right. So the way we draw nigh unto God is to give Him a big hug. You're already on the way. You're here tonight. You've been reading your Bible. You're doing that now. You've been praying. That's part of the hug. You've been listening and meditating. That's part of the hug. But even in a night service, there can be someone that's on the edge about to say yes to a decision thinking they can hide it in the darkness. And if the message tonight could possibly turn that about and say, no, God will see it anyway. God will know it anyway. And it's much too important to me for God to bless me and be close to me than it is to risk, than it is to risk His judgment, to risk his chastening. I want the blessings of the first six verses. Let's bow for prayer. Father, I thank you for the time. I think of my grandson, and right now, before the congregation, I know they pray for Andrew. He's on their prayer list. And right now, and I pray that in the Philippines he'd be safe and used. He'd keep his testimony. But Lord, that was a way for me to see these verses differently. And so I praise you for that as well. 
Now, if there's anyone here that has a decision to make, maybe it's about illness this week, nothing to do with the message. Maybe it's about a job situation, nothing to do with the message. Or maybe there are others that the message provoked realization that there are decisions. Whatever the case, if a person needs to come and spend time with you, may they feel the freedom to do that here among family members who love and respect them. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastor? Let's stand to our feet. Piano plays. The altar's open. Question tonight, Christians, how's your character? God sees us all the time. He knows everything about us.